0: Welcome to Intuitive Eating for Christian Women. I'm your co-host, Erin Todd. I'm a writer and an intuitive eater. And I'm your co-host,
1: Charlie Castle, registered dietitian and exercise physiologist. We're here to help you discover whole health for your mind, body, and soul. That's right. Our goal is to embody scripture, ditch
2: dieting, and live on purpose.
0: Woo! Woo! Yes, girl! Welcome back to Intuitive Eating for Christian Women. We are so glad you're listening today and we're having this incredible conversation with our friend Donetta Floyd about managing diabetes through intuitive eating. This episode is brought to you by our membership. Are you feeling alone on your journey? Do you wanna experience the power of community? Then come check out our membership. You can try your first month for just one dollar. To learn more and join, go to intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com slash membership. Now, let me introduce you to our guest today. Donetta Floyd is a registered dietitian nutritionist and a certified diabetes care and education specialist. She loves Jesus and meeting people where they are in life. Donetta believes food is nourishing, social, cultural, and should be enjoyed. Before we jump into this conversation with Donetta, as a reminder for all of our podcast episodes, this program is for informational and educational purposes only, and it is not a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice. Our aim is to introduce you to the principles of intuitive eating and help you see how those principles align with scripture so you can improve your relationship with food, your body, and God, and cast out dieting Forget.
1: Hello! Welcome to Intuitive Eating for Christian Women. We are so excited today to chat with Donetta Floyd. Donetta, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank
3: you for having me.
1: I cannot wait to have this conversation. Um, So, Aaron and I met Donetta doing um, a Lent study, working together, digging into the Bible, and um, discovering what scripture says about food and body and, and Lent. And it was fun and it was exciting. And I just know that our listeners are going to love hearing from you, Donetta. So we want to know about your food and God's story. So take us back to whichever came first, start there. When did you meet the Lord? And what's your relationship with food?
3: Yes, I will talk. I'll start with when I met the Lord. So I grew up in church. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was always aware of who God was. And I believe I was baptized elementary school more so like we all like have a large family. So my mom has six siblings and then they all have kids. And so that's my generation. And so it's a lot of us. And I attend I attended back home um, family church. And so, you know, we would have summer revival every June or so. And once we were about six, seven, eight, nine, around that age is when people would get baptized. And so the summer came and it was like, oh, I guess it's about time for us to get baptized. So this is the year. So me and probably like 10 of my cousins, we all went up to the front to get baptized. So that was the initial Um, certainly growing up from age 10 on up into young adulthood. Um, I didn't really, uh, live a life that was submitted to the Lord. Um, and to just put it blankly, I was doing my own thing. So, um, so going through college, graduated high school, went through college, doing my own thing. Um, and then I started working and what happened? So then I was dating someone, and I was dating various people or whatever. And then I became pregnant. So at that point, um that's when I realized I don't really need to do my own thing anymore. So because I have a another person that I'm responsible for, and I believe because I was I grew up in the church, and I just knew the the value of parenting and and raising our children in, um, the way that God desires, like that was always in me. And so I, I just, I had a disconnect, I guess, of like me doing my own thing. And then how I would raise a family as like two totally different people. And so when I became pregnant, it was like reality check, like, Mm. Oh, Donetta, you need to get it together. So, um, and so that's when I started like reaching out to the Lord, um, really just trying to, and honestly, like I would like um cuz i'm active. So I would like take walks and I would like talk to my daughter and I would pray and I just know sometimes that um pregnancy and childbirth can be unpredictable. And so that's really what drew me to him because I was like please let this not be traumatic for me. Um mm-hmm. I have no I can't control how this goes um and I just didn't want it to be traumatic. I wanted it to be a pleasant experience. Um, and so that's how our conversation started me praying to God and then, um, what happened? So after I had my daughter, things were just really rocky, um, like relational wise, um, as far as like parenting and with my daughter's dad, it was just really challenging. Um, and so I was at the point was like, I didn't know what to do. It was a lot of pressure, like mm-hmm. being a parent, um, relational things going on, work things going on. It was just me stepping into the mother role was, it was a lot of pressure. So I was again, reaching out to the Lord, what should I do? How am I doing this? And then what happened was the church that I I started attending church more often. Um, and my cousins who live here, where I am in Greensboro, they were like, oh, so one of the barriers of, like, not going to church was, I don't know if my daughter's going to cry, it's me taking her by myself, I got, I have the baby bag, I have my bag, it was just a lot, and so my cousins were like, oh, our church has a baby room, you know, so if, Your daughter starts crying like there's a room and I was nursing her. There's like They're like there's a room there. If you want to go, it's private. You can nurse her and still participate in the service and you have privacy and that kind of thing. And so that's really what drew me back to the church. Um, and, And then they helped me when I was there. So started going to church and then they announced that they were having a young adult retreat and I fell within that age group. And I was like, I'm going. I don't care when it is. I don't care how much it is. I don't care how long it is. I'm going. So um, I was already committed to going before they gave the details. And so ironically, it was Labor Day weekend. And so my cousins were like, oh, we're going to the beach. We'll take your daughter with us. You can go on the retreat. And at that retreat, I remember, like, I didn't know anybody. Like, everybody knew everybody. Um, And so, but I was like, I have to go. So I'll just be, you know, do my thing It's really about me and the Lord, whatever. And so while I was there, I remember praying that we were in the mountains and they had like this prayer um, area, like nature walk or something, a part of the campus we were at. And so I went out there by myself and I was like, OK, Lord, I need to know that you're real. Like I need to know like I'm. I kind of know, but I need, I need a personal encounter with you. So when I go back, I, I know without a shadow of a doubt, like you encountered, we encountered each other. And so I remember recalling a situation that, um, a situation that happened when I was younger, um, and that nobody knows about. Mm-hmm. And so I remember saying, Um, Something like, I want to be free from this situation. And that was probably the conference was like three days or four days, maybe Friday through Sunday. So um, I remember that night, like we had um, a service like we were typically having throughout the weekend, but this was the last night and um, we had a service. And so the service went differently from what it sounds like they had planned. And so my young adult pastor at the time, he was like, you know, I really feel like the Lord is leading us to do like prayer, like to just have prayer. Like I'm not gonna preach the sermon I had planned. This is what the Lord is leading. And so he was like, you know, he started, he was like, if you're struggling with this and the first thing he said was what I was struggling with and I was like wow like I went up there to get prayed for the person that prayed for me they prayed for me and had experienced the same exact thing because they said it in the prayer and I was like weeping like I can't you know like just Mm -hmm. a ball of tears like oh my goodness I can't believe this I can but you know, and so that, and from that point on, that was like Labor Day weekend, 2011. And ever since then, it has been me and Jesus. <laughs> and that weekend, I also got rebaptized and just recommitted my life to the Lord. Oh, I love that. Donna,
2: that's so great. Since then, it's just been me and Jesus. I love that so much. Oh, that story is so powerful. What a beautiful, I love that you good. called it a personal encounter too. Like, what a What a beautiful way to express that wow
3: yes Yes, god is good
1: oh so good i have so many questions (laughs) (laughs) i always get so excited i'm like i want to know everything yes okay so that oh good stuff with the god story oh gosh i just and i relate so much to so many things so what was your
3: relationship with food like so my relationship with food Probably. So growing up, um again, I'm from my family is like, it's my parents. And then I have a younger brother. So it was the four of us. But where I lived growing up, like my grandparents, both sets of grandparents were in the same city. Most of my mom's siblings were in the same city. Some of my dad's siblings were in the same city. So we were and we're a close knit family in the sense that um I would see my grandparents like three or four times a week. And a lot of times my grandma liked to cook and she was an excellent cook. So we would eat there very often. So like Sundays after church, like it was understood. We're going to my grandparents' house and sometimes they would like host the pastor. Um, And so we would go there. And so it would be a spread like barbecue chicken, mashed potatoes, some sort of greens, maybe like corn and llama beans um, some sort of bread and we either be rolls or fried corn bread. Um, and then we have dessert. So growing up in that environment, like it was really like we could eat whatever, whenever, not whenever we ate at mealtimes, but you know, it was pretty open. Um, and then, so throughout, like I grew up, graduated and went to college and still like in, College, it was still pretty open. Like, I had a pretty positive relationship with food for the most part. Um, And then I was an athlete. So, like, especially when I was in college, like, and we would have track meets because I ran track. Um, After the track meets, we would like stop at like Pizza Hut, or they'd be like, okay, guys, you need to re up on your carbs. You need to re up on your energy. So, it was really like, it was pretty open. Like, nothing was off limits or no restrictions really, um, growing up. Um, but there were like body image things going on sometimes because I'm different from like majority of my family, majority of my family, they're, um, it's like they're in larger bodies. Their bodies are shaped differently from mine. I'm, I'm more so like my dad, my dad is like tall, lean, that kind of thing. Um, and so recognizing that I was different and like from my peers too, like I remember like sometimes I'd be like, oh, I need to like gain, let me start doing protein shakes or, you know, making these milkshakes or, um, drinking insure. Like I went through these little phases here and there, um, early on, but then I think too, like I was just like focused on sports. So it was like, okay, I need to eat some things to kind of keep up and be strong.
1: <laughs> yeah. So,
3: what motivated
1: you to be a dietitian?
3: Excellent question. So, being a dietitian again back to family. So, family members had like it was common for people to have like diabetes, um high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um some just some like chronic health conditions there. And I remember like my grandparents, like that was something that they had challenges with. And I didn't really know too much about it just because of age and things like that. Um like they didn't discuss their health with me. But you would just hear convert overhear conversations like, oh, I went to the doctor or oh you'll see them taking medications, that kind of thing. And so I remember thinking like, hmm, so initially I wanted to be a pediatrician. Like I knew I wanted to be in healthcare. I knew I wanted to help people like that was always there. But back to what I was saying earlier, when I was in college, I was doing my own thing. So Mm -hmm. I was hanging out. I was partying. I was not putting academics at the top of my list. Mm -hmm. And so I realized early on that academically, I probably wasn't going to be in med school. So I shifted to just a chemistry major. So Mm -hmm. Once I started, I graduated in, with a chemistry degree. I started working in a lab, but the lab was great, but it was behind the scenes. And mm-hmm. I'm a people person. I like mixing and mingling, meeting mm-hmm. new people, that kind of thing. So I didn't really, I didn't feel like I was helping people as much as I wanted behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So I, ironically, after I'd rededicated my life to the Lord, I realized, I was like, this is not it for me. You know, so again, I started like praying to God, like, God, what is my purpose? Like, what am I here for? I desire to help people. Dietitian, I mean, not pediatrician is not it. I thought being a personal trainer was it. That wasn't it. And so um nutrition came to my mind. And so I started doing some like Googling some things and how do I do this? What's the best route? Because at this time, I have a child now, so Mm -hmm. I I need to be very calculated in my choices Mm -hmm. and it's just us. So I don't really have, I need to have a plan Mm -hmm. and the Lord led nutrition to me. And so what happened, he really started like lining things up, honestly, like I was still working, but I had a coworker whose daughter was seeing a dietician. And she was like, oh, come to the appointment, you know, so you can kind of get some insight or whatever. So I remember like I left work on an extended lunch break to go to the appointment and came back. And I was like, yeah, man, like this is it. And so then I started finding some like volunteer opportunities around Greensboro um, with like public health. And then I started volunteering at the Y Mm -hmm. and then i think i got connected i was oh i was going to go to the school here in greensboro and then i was not accepted and my i was crushed and i was like lord like i don't have a plan b right and so mm. um ironic i was on a mission trip when i found out i didn't make it and so i was crushed but i was like i'm on a mission trip i really don't have time to dwell on this right now cuz i'm here for something else but then i remember um, uh, I had researched North Carolina Central as as just I it just came across my search. And so I remember reaching out to them. This was in the summer. I was reaching out to them and they were like, Yeah, send over your transcripts. Yeah, we'll get you in. Can you come in tomorrow? And I'm like, well, actually, I'm on a mission trip. I can't come tomorrow, but I'll be back next week. And so they were like super helpful. Um at this time I had like quit my job because God had told me to quit my job to go back to school. And so it was like this whole ordeal, but North Carolina Central accepted me, and it has been on and popping ever since.
1: (laughs) Wow, girl. Oh, my gosh. I'm just like, you're like single momming, applying to college, going on mission
3: trips. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah, So, like. I remember, so like 2014, the Lord was like giving me nutrition and I'm like, okay, how is this going to work? I'm not going to be able to do work full time, take care of my daughter and go back to school. So the Lord was leading me to quit my job. And I remember it was like the spring and I was like, (laughs) I don't know how, what, right? So I had, I remember I wrote my like four week notice and I was supposed to do it in May. And I, and I pumped out, really, because I was like, I don't know if this is you, God, or is this me? I don't know. And so then May came and went. I didn't submit it. And I kept having, like, strong convictions. And I was becoming super uncomfortable at my job. And I was like, OK, God, this is you. I have to do this. And so I did it in September. And so I quit my job in September. I remember I moved like that summer into an apartment, like downgraded an apartment to have cheaper rent, a little bit cheaper. Um, And then, so I was like, what am I going to do while I'm not working? Like I'm not in school right now. Right. Because I didn't get accepted for the fall semester. So what am I going to do? And so I just threw myself into nutrition, volunteer opportunities, like serving at church, that kind of thing. I was like, it's just going to be Cause I didn't want to become the person, like, I didn't want to be at home, just kind of chilling because I didn't want to lose that momentum. Um, so in January, that following January, I was like, well, let me take this nutrition class at the, a local university. Right. And they were like, okay, tuition is like $500 or something. Right. For this one class. So I was like, whew, I wasn't expecting this. Remember I'm on a like small budget. And so, but I was like, okay, Lord, this is what you're telling me to do. I'll do it. Um, I remember. Um, And so what happened was I enrolled in the class and then like right before I was getting ready to start, my parents were like, we're going to pay for the class for you. We support you with this. And I was like, oh, wow. So yes. Wow. Ugh. I
2: hear so much like faith and obedience and then the like the Lord delivering, like he's providing and like it just it's so amazing to hear your story like that because like each little step that's unfolding, you're you're sensitive to his leadings and you're going for it even when even when it's like what does this look like? That's just that's really encouraging. Like not everybody lives like that, Donata. Like that's amazing. You have a beautiful and strong and vibrant faith and it's like evident in your life. It's amazing.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yes. Can I say Can I yes. say something please. else? Yes, please. So what's so ironic. So right before I actually logged on, I was coming back from Canapolis, which is a town about an hour from here. So um, I met with, so it's like a research team. So they're doing research on all the things that I'm passionate about. Like, they're doing research, it's nutrition research on diabetes and eating disorders. And so, what has happened is, like, I got, I became connected to this team, somebody, word of mouth, and they're like, oh, now there's a dietitian in Greensboro who wants to work in these things. So, they have this study going on, like, research study, um, trying to find like interventions and looking at intersections of how those things intersect along with like African Americans. And so I'm like in the meeting and I'm like full of tears, like holding back tears because it's like, this is like what I'm passionate about. This is like, who knew back in 2014, like I didn't know that this would be what it is and who knows what it'll continue to be. But I'm just like, wow. And so as I'm driving back again, like what you were saying, Erin, like just the obedience and it's... I mean, I'm not perfect or anything like that, but it's just like, Lord, continue to help me to be obedient because the peace that comes with mm-hmm. this, the joy that comes with this, the favor that comes with this, yes, is like indescribable.
1: Wow. Wow. So you shared with us where your interest in working with diabetes, blood pressure, heart disease, that kind of stuff came from. Um I know I went to school to be a dietitian, So I know what we typically learn there. Uh, So how did you get to health at every size and eating disorder work?
3: Yes. So great question. So I went into this all about diabetes, like you said, family history. So um, once I started working, so I graduated, I passed the RD exam. I've been out of work for like three years now. I'm like, I need a job. So I need full-time work, ideally outpatient. So here, there was an outpatient position for bariatric dietitian. So I'm like, huh, word. Never thought about doing bariatrics, but it's my foot in the door. I'll work with it. It's a, They already have a program. I'll follow the program. Sounds pretty easy to me. So I started doing that. And then as I was working in bariatrics, uh realized a lot of like disparities there. I realized a lot of times people were coming in with the understanding that they have to have this surgery, that they have to lose weight. Like, if I don't, like, it's not going to be good for me. Like that, that was the stress that they came in under. And I remember thinking like, man, no, like, you don't have to do this. And so it really started like tugging at my heart Um, because it w- again, because of the social determinants of health, sometimes there were like people that, excuse me, really didn't have like financially the ability to support life after surgery, like the vitamins, the appointments, like they're spending, like because health insurance was covering it, that's how they were getting in the door. But I'm like, you have, 40 plus years of life to go to live, follow this regimen. And people, I mean, and people, I'm in the South, so people are used to Southern food and they would have to change all of that. And you, I could tell that people didn't necessarily want to change it, but they felt like they had to, like it was like life-threatening if they don't, right? And so, but the challenge with that is the surgery can be life-threatening, you know? And so even if you do all the steps right and so as I'm working in bariatrics I was starting to get uneasy and so working in the field I began to kind of counsel like on people doing what's best for their body like I've never really been a person to focus on weight granted when I went into nutrition because that's what they were we were taught is to do these calculations it's all on weight but then when I came out and started you know working in the field and valuing people, you know, like having that compassion and seeing like that their hearts were aching. I'm like, man, no, like we don't have to focus on the number. And so I had a colleague who was all about health at every size, who specialized in eating disorders. And so she and I began talking, like we would have these conversations. She's all about social justice, all about um, disparities. And so she was like opening my eyes to health at every size. And, and she would share with me like just how eating disorders can be more prevalent in um, low income households. And I'm like, yeah, I can see that, you know, like just based on like hometown things, like I would see how things would happen in like around like younger people. And when I would go back and I'm like, this is it. Like, this connects with me. These, this is the language around what I've been feeling. And so that's really how I got connected to Health at Every Size and everything that I, everything that I do is about it. And ironically, like the event that I just left from, they didn't attach Health at Every Size to that. But the language that they were using were saying're were saying like personalized nutrition is not one size fits all. Everybody's genetics are different. Like that's what they're teaching on a university level. And so it's pretty awesome to to experience that.
2: Oh, that's so promising to hear <laughs> refreshing in a lot of the studies. Um, you know you you, Mentioned social determinants of health. And I'm trying to think, Shar. Have we really I don't know that we've ever really parked on that for a second. And Let's so park, like can we Let's just talk it. about that? Can you give us like a little overview of that, Donata? That would be very helpful.
3: Sure. So social determinants of health really meaning like, and so they use the initials S D O H, some like if you're reading things. Um, and so it keeps in context like where people live, like their zip codes, financial status education status, um, income status, those those sorts of things, then how that can impact a person's overall health and well-being, like whether they have health insurance or not, um, whether they have access to a grocery store nearby, fresh, fresh fruits and vegetables, access to health care, all of those things fall into that. Um, social determinants of health, and what is happening is that that does—I mean—it plays a, a major role. So when I think about like bariatrics or even nutrition counseling, like I have to. Granted, I don't work in bariatrics anymore. Let me put that out there. But um, when I think about nutrition, like I have to keep those things in mind because that is impacting people's decisions and how they how they move, how they make decisions. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, I was flipping to it because I just read. I'm so, the way you explained it, it was great. <laughs> That's like <laughs> totally my understanding of it too. But I'm still kind of like learning about that. That's not really at the forefront of a layperson. So you guys went to school for this stuff, <laughs> you know, Probably. you got a head start on me. But um, the part that I think was like mind blowing and that would be beneficial to to unpack a little bit more is the fact that. There are all these factors in play, like that's a spectrum of factors. And for whatever reason, diet culture drills us down into like one or two tiny little facets of that being body size and body weight and says that is what's important. And what the research shows and what social determinants of health is really showing is actually that is not as proportionally important and it is not as big of a factor. We're giving it all this weight, (laughs) pun intended, and it's actually all these other things that are impacting health outcomes so much more, and that is where we can make um, make bigger strides in improving things. Mm-hmm.
3: Absolutely, Did I get that right. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and I remember listening to a, a webinar some years ago. This was like during the pandemic, and this medical doctor he presented on. He was it was a diabetes presentation. And he was talking about, and I don't know the exact articles that he pulled from, but there were some articles out there, and he showed them that he was talking about social determinants of health related to marginalized communities wow. and how that impacts our health more than anything. Like the stress of being people of color, um, and just having to navigate life in in a society that's not really um the most inclusive of us in all aspects. Mm-hmm. And so he was saying like how the that underlying stress really kind of, it gets passed down from generation to generation. Like we think about like when when females are pregnant, it's like, okay, don't do these things because they can impact your baby. And so that stress he was talking about gets passed down to the fetus and then it gets passed down, you know, because if people are not managing it, Um Mm-hmm. So that was eye-opening for me as well. But yes, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, of that's, yeah and that's where,
1: um, like, fat phobia plays in, right? The marginalization of that. If you're if you're walking around in our culture in a fat body. Right. Well, you're hearing from the medical field that you have a disease and it's your fault you have the d- disease, and you're weak, and you need to change it. And the airplane seats are too small. and just all the things. So this stigma, think of this stress, yeah that that people are walking around with. And listen, wellness culture is all about talking about how much stress and inflammation impacts your health now right like wellness mm-hmm. culture is talking about that yeah so but they're talking just... about the
2: stress from not eating an organic egg instead of like a yeah. regular egg <laughs> yeah yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> so they want to talk about it but let's talk about how stressful it is to starve yourself because you're in this socially unacceptable body in our culture
3: absolutely and I, I love the comparison that you made because some like I remember thinking about that especially when I was working in bariatrics like thinking about that comparison between like is oppression, right? Oppression based on uh where you're from or oppression based on on size. And it's it's the same. It's like these things are not it's like no, you need to fit into this box. No, you need to do it this way so that you can be accepted socially. And it's like no, like this is how my body is right and i'm i'm important and i'm valuable and i bring these things to the table and no you guys need to make accommodations for me right so yeah yeah Yeah, we're all
1: supposed to be different god did that on purpose could we please start celebrating that yes we're celebrating it here absolutely
2: i think it's really um worth pointing out that this bias and stigma and everything that's culturally like in the larger diet culture really has very, very profound impacts in the healthcare system. Like if you're getting that bias being projected on you, at you from your medical caregiver of any rank, that Mm -hmm. is um, a huge problem. And also when you're getting bias from... um, Places that are supposed to be safe and loving and accommodating, like the church. It's especially sad and harmful from doctors and pastors and just larger churches. Like, I think we can point fingers at, um, you know, misapplied, misquoted, twisted scriptures that have been weaponized to make some people feel shame about their bodies. But as long as we're all living in this culture, it doesn't just fall on people who are in leadership positions, like everybody has to do better. And so Donato, when you were describing like, I'm a compassionate person and like, I was just naturally caring about the person. And so naturally that leads you to just not focus on weight and take care of the person. I think that really sums it up. It's like, Mm -hmm. if you value the life and the person And you want to be compassionate and caring to them. That is what happens. Weight falls away in importance when you're being compassionate.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I agree with you. I think it does take everybody as a whole, you know, in being mindful of the things that we're we're saying, the conversations we're having. Um, and, And the verse that always comes to mind for me is where, you know, it talks about like God is looking at the heart. Like he's not caught up in the physical appearance it's really the heart, you know. So am I am I doing the things that God is telling me to do? You know, am I following his lead? Am I obeying his commands? Am I walking by faith? Am I loving my neighbor? All these things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so those are the things that he's looking at. And that that continues to drive me as well to not Mm -hmm. focus on people's on people's weight. because it doesn't feel good. You're right. They're they're getting these messages already from so many people, unfortunately. And I think too, what is also heartbreaking is when you see children affected by this. Um, because I also work with children, and then they it just it crushes their spirit mm-hmm. and it's is it's heartbreaking as as a person. Um and so one of and that's why I love what I do, because I get to speak life you know, and help encourage and and say, like, no, these, like, you're still, you're beautiful. You are amazing. You know, depending on the client, you know, if they're a believer or not, I'll say, you know, God still loves you, you know, those kinds of things. Um, But it's, it's, it's heartbreaking because it does impact that next generation.
1: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your work right now, Donetta. What are you doing right now?
3: Absolutely. So I am, I work part time with the hospital system. I love doing that work because I see a lot of underserved communities. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of um, clients that may not get my services in private practice. So I enjoy serving that population. So I do that part-time and then the other times I am doing private practice. I specialize with working with eating disorders, disorder eating, type 2 diabetes is my passion as well. I am starting a type 2 diabetes group to try to hit more people at one time and to really slow down the education process with that because I feel like The education is so quick that people are missing um, Mm -hmm. what's really needed and not having the opportunity to talk things through and ask questions. So I did that course or group um, for six weeks, started in April. So I'll bring it back again towards the latter part of this year. But the goal is to keep it going um, a couple of times a year. So Mm -hmm. those are the things that I'm working on now.
1: Yeah, your heart to help is so beautiful. I can, it just, it just pours out of you.
2: Yeah. I can see it on your face when you're speaking about it, Donna. That's beautiful. (laughs)
3: Awesome. Can
2: I get you to speak a little bit more on the diabetes aspect? I feel like a lot of people um, I've noticed this in the intuitive eating space. A lot of people will disqualify themselves from being able to practice intuitive eating or find food freedom or improve their health because, because I have X, Y, Z condition, Sometimes they say diabetes, sometimes it's any number of other things. So can you kind of speak to that woman or a man who is listening who might have that kind of objection and um, speak some life over them?
3: Yes, absolutely. So when it comes to any health condition, certainly there are things that are more beneficial, but the goal is never to cut out the things that you absolute, that you love, right? So if you love fried chicken, if you love banana pudding. That's one of my favorites. Um, Like you can still have these things. It's just really trying to find that balance and what works for you as you're having these things. I know a lot of times I talk about, I bring up, especially with the summer um, is cookouts, right? So cookouts, People attend cookouts or celebrations and that kind of thing. And this is how we can do it. Not to say that you can't eat anything at the cookout. Let's talk about what's going to be there and how you can find balance in your meal and eat throughout the day. Like we don't want to not eat all day waiting on the cookout because then we're going to, and because your goal is to eat a lot at the cookout. No, let's try to continue to eat as you typically would breakfast, lunch, cookout. And then go from there because the truth is like the cookout in my family or around here, the cookout may not start on time. They say it start, we're going to eat at four, but it's really like <laughs> yeah. 5 or 5.30. So.
1: I love oh. that. So
3: Donetta, let's
1: uh, let's jump into this. Do you want to jump into this? you want to role play a little bit? Oh, sure. Let's Could go. Can we role play a little bit? Like, uh, yeah. let's say, um, you know, like, well, I've heard about intuitive eating, but I can't really trust my body. I have diabetes and I have to worry about my blood sugar and make sure that it stays stable. So I can't just go eating whatever I want, Donetta.
3: Yes, and so what we can work with that. We'll talk about, let's look at your numbers. How often are you checking your blood glucose numbers? What's your most recent A1C? Um, Are we doing anything for movement? And let's talk through that. What are some things that you like to eat Mm-hmm. And, um, so it's like, okay, well, we're not eating, we're not eating breakfast, right? Mm-hmm. So we're not eating breakfast. We're having a snack for lunch and then we eat dinner. So what we can do is we can work on balancing out your meals throughout the day, because right now hunger cues are not performing to the best of their ability because they're a little skewed right now because we're only really eating twice a day. So in our body needs food throughout the day. So so as we continue to add in some breakfast, add in lunch, have dinner as you were having it, that will help to kind of uh, normalize your hunger cues. It'll help to wake them up, help them to be in a better place where they can be trusted. And then that's when we can kind of flow into like this, the intuitive eating piece. So we'll we'll get to the point of trusting your body, but it's a process, it's trial and error. And I'm here to support you on that journey.
1: Well, like I'm not supposed to have sugar or refined carbohydrates, right? Like I can't have those as a diabetic. And if I just eat what
3: I want, I'm going to eat those all the time. Gotcha. And and I understand why you are saying that because that is certainly the message that is out there. Um, but the science behind it is that our body actually needs carbohydrates. So we never want to like continue to not have them because it puts our body in a dangerous place. And especially if we have diabetes, that can land you in the hospital. And we don't want that for you. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is have carbohydrates, but we want to balance them with the other food groups. And then it's like, I love banana pudding or you love whatever, right? So if you're going out for a birthday party, your friend wants to take you out for a birthday, celebrate birthday, your spouse wants to take you out to celebrate anniversary, you really do, you may want to have that piece of cake. You may want to have that ice cream or whatever your favorite item is. And we are going to incorporate that. We just need to balance it with the other things. Mm, Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm thinking about, um, you know, I just, I hear this all the time. I work with a lot of people with diabetes too. And this idea of like, I can't, I can't like all foods can't be allowable. That's not going to work for me. And like, I hear you, but I'm not following this diet for weight loss. Like I'm following it for my health. And um, I, I I wanted to really talk about this because I feel like it really pulls back into the social determinants of health that we talked about. If following that recommended diabetes diet is causing you stress and anxiety, It's probably increasing your blood sugar.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Causing you stress and anxiety and also cutting you off from like contact with other people and healthy relationships and missing out on family events, special occasions, like isolation is stressful.
3: Yeah. Being alone
2: with your food rules is stressful.
3: Absolutely. Which impacts quality of life, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, this is this is all great conversation. If
1: you're if you're wanting to manage diabetes with intuitive eating. And it's like it's you have some things to consider and we have lots of information that as a dietitian, we can kind of help you as you listen to your body and see what's going on. We can give you some ideas of some things to experiment with and try, but it's just the same as anybody else. We're going to listen to your body. Like, let's try eating this way and see how you feel and see what your blood sugar does. And how can you incorporate the banana pudding and still have stable blood sugar? Like, let's try it out and incorporate. It really doesn't have to be this all
3: or nothing cut and dry experience absolutely and you just reminded me i agree with you you just reminded me of what i was thinking as i was coming here like thinking about like intuitive eating and what you're saying about diabetes and intuitive eating and that it's a journey similar to our relationship with christ like it's a journey you know so like how you have your relationship with the lord it's maybe different from how I have my relationship with the Lord, maybe different from how the next person does it. And it's a journey of figuring out what works for me. Getting up at four in the morning, praying may not work for me. I may not be that person, but I may pray at a different time. And it's it's figuring out it's not a one size fits all. As you're saying about intuitive eating with diabetes, like mm-hmm. it really is that journey and in your different, your unique situation based on social determinants of health and applying all of these things in, in working the journey.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm.
3: Yeah. That's so good. And
2: just to be a hundred percent explicit here, in case the lady with a diabetes concern is like, but wait, can I do it? Can I do intuitive eating? What are we saying? On the count of three. Yes. One, two, three. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs>
1: yes, you can. Yes, you
2: can. Yes,
3: you can. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's so good. I feel like um, that's going to really encourage somebody today. So thank you, Donetta, for just – I just love your heart for this particular um, health challenge, but I guess, you know, like the way you describe it and talk, that was just so compassionate and kind and gentle. And it was just like, oh, that that's just like, if I have this and I get to navigate it this way, like that's going to feel so much better <laughs> than any mm-hmm. other kind of approach. Like, I just love yeah. how, um, how you're, you have that eye for like, the word balance you kept coming back to a lot. And then just for the quality of life, like you mentioned, like that is so important. And that really, that really um, shines through when you're describing um, how to navigate and how to manage diabetes with intuitive eating. I love it.
3: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you.
1: It comes back to the fact that we are more than just a body and that health is holistic In order for us to be healthy, we have to consider our spiritual, our mental, our emotional, and our physical health. And so if the things that you're doing to manage your physical health are causing you mental, emotional, and spiritual damage, we've got a problem. You are a whole being. And so we've got to consider all of those things as we are stewarding our health.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Well, Donetta, this is fantastic. I want you to share um, share with the listeners how they can work with you. Tell us a little bit more about um, kind of what that diabetes group looked like and how they could find it and just um, all of your details of where to find you and connect with you online. That would be fantastic.
3: Awesome. So the diabetes group is typically is six weeks long, and I'm looking to start it again in the fall. Um, You can find out information about it at my Instagram, which is Donetta, which is D-O-N-E-T-T-A underscore the T-H-E underscore R-D for Registered Dietitian. That's my Instagram handle. Also to um, my phone number, if you want to contact me via phone is 336-355-1135 extension 3. And then my email is Donetta at SimpleNutritionCounseling.com. Awesome. I
2: will put all of that in the show notes too. So it'll be really easy for people to find you. But before we let you go, we do have some rapid fire wrap up questions. <laughs> Am I doing these, yeah. Char?
1: Oh, we're, oh, I, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. <laughs> Um, they're okay they're coming off the cusp all right let's do it here we go donetta what is your favorite cookout food
3: oh f- favorite cookout food fried fish
1: Ooh, yum <laughs> favorite way to move your body swimming oh good that's my new hobby Ooh, i nice. love it favorite way to spend time with your daughter
3: Doing what she likes to do, no. so I let her pick that. Um, she's into arts and crafts, so usually it's something artsy. That's awesome. That's so sweet.
1: How are you meeting with the Lord right
3: now? I am meeting with the Lord in devotion time in the morning. Uh, on my actually through the Jesus Calling. Um, I think it's like the emphasis is joy, so it's like purple writing on the front. That, and then sometimes, and then I do the verse of the day on the Bible app. You version? Yeah,
1: nice. What's your favorite food? Food right now? I know we all get stuck on things.
3: What are you digging right now? Mexican. I'm a taco girl, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. so I like, um, yeah, tacos.
1: Yeah, I love it. Oh my gosh. And our most important question, I skipped it. I saw your face, Aaron was like, hello, <laughs> you're forgetting something. <laughs> our most important question is coffee or tea, and how do you take it?
3: Coffee. And believe it or not, I just started drinking coffee, like the end of 2021. So mm-hmm. I only do like caramel cappuccinos. <laughs> That's where I am. Okay. That's a good With entry the point. Caramel. <laughs>
2: I love it. That is so funny. Okay, how come you just started getting into it? This is this is mind blowing to me.
3: Yes, I don't know why I didn't drink coffee before. Well, I take that back. When I started my nutrition, I went back to school for nutrition. I was like super tired one day, burning a candle at both ends, and I had coffee that was offered to me, and I ended up being sleepier than I started off, and I was like. I'm not doing that again. And so then I traveled for my birthday um, out of town. And my sister loves coffee. She's like avid coffee drinker. So she was like, let's go get some coffee tonight. And I was like, oh, we're on vacation. Let me try it. Where should I start? And that's where it started.
2: Oh, I love that. What a fun way to to sample it and try it. And I love that spirit of like, okay, I'm going to be adventurous and try something and just see what it's like. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. this has been a gift thank you this
2: is this is delightful we have so loved getting to know you this year and oh i hope we can have more conversations like this
3: Mm -hmm. me too this was so much fun this is my first podcast so thank you you guys for the introduction thank you for the Mm -hmm. opportunity Mm -hmm. this was fun for sure of course could you close us in prayer absolutely So, Father, we thank you. We honor you. We adore you. We thank you for who you are to us, God. We thank you for loving us unconditionally. We thank you for being our savior. We thank you that your plans for us are good. We thank you, God, that you look at our heart and are not concerned about our physical appearance, God. And so we just pray, God, for each and every person that will listen to this podcast, um, that they will draw closer to you, God. We pray, Father, that they will continue to um, grow in intuitive eating. We pray, God, that they will continue to find freedom in you and in eating and in, in body size and all of the things, God, because really it's all about you. So we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for intuitive eating for Christian women. We thank you for Aaron and Charlie, God. We just pray, Father, that you will continue to bless them in the work of their hands. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. If this episode helped you recognize that the world's so-called solutions aren't helping you and you're ready to try a completely different approach with a new mindset, then friend, check out the Renew Your Health Workshop, Six So-Called Healthy Habits to Rethink This Time of Year. This is an exciting resource that Shar and I collaborated on with this incredible team of women, including our friend and today's guest, Donetta Floyd. This workshop includes a teaching video and a worksheet for each of the six so-called healthy habits that you need to rethink. And Donetta is bringing an eye-opening teaching on sugar. You don't want to miss it. Friends, if you've tried everything and feel like this will be just another year of failure and shame and condemnation, then it's time to try something different check out our latest resource, the Renew Your Health Workshop. It is live as of January 2024, so you can access it through the link in our show notes. We hope and pray that this new year and this new resource ushers in renewal, revival, peace, and freedom like you have never experienced before. Thanks again for listening today. We will see you in the next episode.